with great data comes even greater access latency. Welcome to the Trino Community Broadcast, where we transform your latency woes into fast insights. Trino Community Broadcast is a show where we cover events and happenings in the Trino open source community and show off a couple cool things about Trino. So uh, today, I'm really super excited to uh, talk about our, our guests. Uh, we have uh, Ryan Blue, uh, the creator of, of Apache Iceberg, and uh, Sam Rede, the, uh, the developer advocate from Tabular, which is uh, the, the company that builds on top of uh, uh, the open source Apache Iceberg. Uh, welcome, uh, you two. And uh, we also have for host today, myself, Cole uh, Bowden, who is uh, another developer advocate here at Starburst with me. And then we have Tom Nats, uh, who is, uh, Tom, what is your official title? <laughs> uh, janitor, but sometimes I'm called director of customer solutions. That's so. true. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot the the janitor side gig you had going on. Um, so so tell us, uh, Ryan or or Sam, whoever wants to jump in on this one, uh, what's what's Tabular doing around uh, Apache Iceberg, uh, and and what what are you all uh, uh, kind of you know what 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 are we uh, kind of here to talk about today a, a little bit with Apache Iceberg? Well, I think we're you know going to cover some of the development in Iceberg that has been going on recently, sort of where we uh, are going with the community. Um, but I'm, I'm always happy to talk about Tabular as well. Um, so Tabular uh, is the company Sam and I work for. Um, basically, we, we started Tabular to build and, and make available all of the infrastructure that you need in order to run a modern iceberg-based data platform um, you know, that can connect to any engine uh, that you want to use with your data. So you can plug in Trino, you can plug in uh, Spark, you can plug in, uh, I don't know, EMR and Flink and, and uh, Snowflake, whatever you need to do. Um, all of the infrastructure required, like the common catalog, the, uh, the authorization and access control layer, uh, data services to keep your tables clean and performant, uh, those runtime services are all provided by Tabular, and we make nice. it pretty easy to plug in. Very cool. And Sam, how, how did, uh, so you're a fellow developer advocate uh, like me and Cole, what did, how did you get involved with Ryan and, and how did you two meet and uh, what, what got you into Iceberg? Yeah, so me and Ryan worked together uh, at Netflix and um, it started with me sort of, well, one, I took the, uh, the class where it sort of intros, like I think it was called 101, Iceberg 101, I think. And, um, you know, I've, came from sort of a high background working with, you know, um, I think the Horton works uh, is what we we're using before. So, you know, I was very familiar with like using Hive tables and Hive like table formats. And then when I saw the sort of what Iceberg could do and, you know, like the idea of snapshotting and, and committing and sort of those Git semantics for massive tables and then actually yeah. saw it, you know, it uh, applied to, to large tables. And, I, I was like a fan right away. And so, you know, I worked on some of the tooling stuff around Iceberg that sort of utilizes Iceberg, uh, which I think we'll talk a bit about today. But, you know, I started bugging Ryan about little things here and there. And then as I sort of built out the, these tools, I, I got very familiar with the, the, you know, internals of Iceberg. So that's sort of the background. And then, uh, you know, I, Tabular, I saw that and uh, the rest is history. Nice. Nice. So you just like, you were like, I got to get, I got to get on this thing while I can. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Netflix, but we got to, we got to build out the bigger, greater community of iceberg. Um, so 
I want to quickly share something we shared in one of the, so we, we did a, a couple episodes around Iceberg way back in like, well, not way back, but I mean, at least a little over a year ago now uh, in uh, April of 2021. And so uh, we, the very first episode we actually did with, uh, with David Phillips, uh, he was very heavily involved with, with Iceberg. And so uh, the first uh, Iceberg that we, we created uh, with our little logo with uh, Commander Bun Bun dressed up as a penguin standing on an iceberg, this iceberg actually uh, was, was not going to be super good for Commander Bun Bun to be ste- stepping on. We found this out uh, through a friend of ours who watched the episode and said, that's actually not uh, a correct uh, way that an iceberg would actually float if it was drawn this way. So I wanted to quickly go over if the iceberg was actually drawn the way that we had initially drawn it, here's what would happen to Commander Bunman. He's sitting up here on the top and, oh, he would fall up onto the side. So we realized actually that we should have uh, done what we did in the second episode and what we pulled in here today, where we actually draw drew the uh, uh, the correct, um, I don't know what you say, if it's like the correct balanced or actual correct way that you see icebergs in nature. But if you actually look at how these kind of flat tabletop looking things uh, and you actually draw it out that way, it actually is a, uh, keeps Commander Bun Bun on the top of it. So... so- yeah. Uh, fun fun fact is that um, that's why we chose iceberg. Um, yeah. There's uh, the connection is these icebergs are called tabular icebergs because yeah. they're flat like a table on yep. top. Um, so the the connection is you know tabular iceberg, and then we stole that idea for tabular the company as well. So that's yeah. why we're called tabular. And is it also keep your data afloat? <laughs> like, is there some sort of <laughs> have you tried to pull some sort of uh, metaphor there? <laughs> oh, there? There is definitely a metaphor there about like you only touch this much of your data, but there's yeah. a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, without further ado, uh, why don't we hop before we hop right into the, you know, the cool, amazing things going on in this, uh, uh, the, the table format, uh, and iceberg and everything. Let's, let's jump really fast. And I'm going to, uh, bring this over to, to Cole. Cole, uh, we've had two releases since our, our last episode. Would you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, here, let me actually zoom in here a little bit so that we can actually read this. Uh, what's what's going on in uh, Trino world uh, in general? And then we'll hop into the iceberg stuff uh, here in a second. Yeah, so we've had some pretty big performance improvements across the board in the core engine. Um, we've got some new functionality in forms of JSON output for explain. Um, like expressions are faster. Insert queries are faster. Large clusters are going faster. Aggregations have less memory usage. Fault tolerant execution has less memory usage. So nice, you know, across the board, improving in big ways. Um, some extensions to a few of these connectors. Um, the two that I think are the most exciting from these two releases. Um, that faster insert queries bullet point is a huge one. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about it a little more later on as well. But um, from the tests that we've been running, it is on the scale of six times faster or four times faster. Um, It may not be exactly that much faster in like production inserts. And it kind of depends on the scale. You're going to get more of a win the bigger it is. Um, But, you know, anytime you can say something's getting two or four or six times faster, like that gets some exclamation marks and confetti and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that actually affects iceberg specifically. So, and we're gonna we're gonna discuss a little bit more into that uh, on the PR of the week here. So, yeah. so look forward to that in the PR of the week that we'll we'll dive into. Uh, and then the other really cool thing that came out is that we have support for dynamic function resolution in 
the SBI. So Trino plugins now will be able to have dynamic function resolution. And that is going to make plugins a whole lot more interesting and powerful. That's going to open up a lot of opportunities. Um, so Trino plugins now have a lot more power within their grasp. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the community is able to create what, on that front. I, I, I'm a little, so dynamic function resolution, you can actually kind of set, like register a query at runtime or something like that. Is that what that's saying? Or is that? Something? Yeah, and I, I think it's that the plugin can handle and resolve like functions that it wants to implement within the query. Gotcha. Uh, so you can do new functions from a plugin. So this uh, is at the core, this is actually in the like core support for it. And then connectors just, ha we, we haven't really had any connectors like take advantage of this yet. It's just that it's, it's available to start taking like that. Uh, yeah, this is, <laughs> okay. this is, it is now possible to do this in your plugins. Gotcha. And now let's see what we do. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing when like PTF came around, which actually, you know, polymorphic table functions, like when that first came around, we actually like co-release the core support and like a cool feature with it. So it was like somewhat tangible to what this could mean. But yeah, I think dynamic functions is pretty, pretty clear. Like we just will, will be able to actually not have to like, I think the more and more like Trino is adding a lot of this support in general for like ability to do things during runtime. And that's just, that's just like a lot of, a lot of cool stuff, like particularly like, at, you know, this is, you know, pie in the sky at this point, but we're, we're getting closer to this of, of at, dynamically adding catalogs uh, to Trino. So like, if you want to add a secondary or third, you know, con, uh, catalog uh, to like, say a different uh, database or things like that, you don't have to restart the entire cluster to, to do that, which is like a rare thing to have to do. So it's not like super in, in your way, but it's just like, that's yet another thing that you don't have to restart Trino to, to get that. And so dynamic function is, yeah, another thing on that path. That's exciting. Yeah, I know we're working towards the uh, dynamic catalog manipulation. Yeah. So, yeah, one day, <laughs> one day, give it a year, give it two years. Who knows? <laughs> it might even be less than that. I think. Yeah, I, I, have, I, have, I have, I'm very bullish about it becoming in like in the less than a year. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Anyway, so that's it for the updates. You can always check out the release notes. I work on them diligently for all of your sake. Yes. So. Yeah. Oh, and so, yeah. So everybody knows like, you know, D Cole is kind of a partial developer advocate, but then his other title here is release manager. So, uh, so anything that, that we're going through when it comes to these releases, uh, Cole touches everything now. <laughs> so, so he'll, I, he'll, I see all, I look he, at every single commit and make sure that if it's user facing, we get a release note. You're points. like that eye in the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, except like instead of being the evil demon lord of power, I'm just like a guy trying his best to communicate things. So yeah. But is Mistakes that what the welcome. evil evil lord of power would tell us? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well enough chitter chatter. Uh on to the concept of the week. All right, so this uh, concept of the week, we're going to be talking about the latest features in Apache Iceberg, and uh, also then cover a little bit about like what the Trino community has been doing uh, on our side in the last year to kind of take advantage of some of the the latest things coming in. So I'm gonna. So these are the the notes for that. You'll be able to find all the kind of uh, summaries of what we're going to talk about in the show notes. Uh, but for right now, I will remove that. And uh, yeah, let's. I, I kind of want to just uh, you know open this back up. Now we've we've talked a little bit about tabular, but you know for 
Uh, and, and we've had two past episodes where we did dive into like, what is iceberg and why is it such a big deal? Um, so if you, if you aren't familiar with that, uh, the link to those two previous shows, it's episode 14 and 15, uh, definitely check those out if you're totally like brand new to iceberg, but in, in a kind of a couple sentences and kind of like, you know, I, maybe you could get a little philosophical with this, Ryan, but like, what, what is iceberg and, and what are you trying to solve with iceberg? Like, Take us through that mindset and like the use cases that you're going for uh, solving there. Yeah, so Iceberg is a way of tracking data in a table. Um, it, it's kind of like a file format, only we realized, um, I was early on in the Parquet community and we, we realized that a lot of problems that people had were not file format problems. They were really this broader thing. Like how do we keep track of what files are even in a table? How do we know which files to read at any given time? Um, how do we make changes to that set of files in a table? And the answers to those questions are surprisingly um, core to what Trino and, and other big data engines do. Yeah. Um, you know, they define how you can make modifications to the table efficiently. Um, you know, so like <laughs> that has a, a massive implication on what you can do um, for users like we're going to talk about merge statements later um yeah. that is you know that would never be possible without uh good answers to like how do we modify the files in the table yeah also like you know the all of the powerful advanced filtering features and things like that um really matter um when you're you're talking about like you know query performance how do we find exactly which files uh we need to satisfy some query so iceberg handles all of those concerns um, we, we built it because we realized that this table level um, was very naively put together in, in Hive and Hive-like tables. Yeah. Um, and we realized that that was limiting correctness in our platform because we didn't have atomic transactions or atomic changes to our data. We realized it was really limiting performance because uh, we were basically listing thousands of directories and then just reading all those data files instead of pinpointing the data that we needed. Hmm. And then we also realized that the, the biggest factor was we were limiting um, the, the productivity of data engineers and people consuming data because they had so many concerns that had to be uh, constantly on their minds. You know, uh, oh, what is the partitioning of this table? How do I take advantage of, of that? What are the implications for how I write? Like they had so many concerns that um, we wanted to get back to a point where you kind of forget what's underneath the table and you mm -hmm. work with data as a data engineer, which sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you should think about data and data products and pipelines a whole lot less than you care about um, the number of files you're producing or, or you know, whatever, uh, you know, the, those underlying characteristics. We wanted to, to bring that abstraction back. I like I like that talk that you give. That's just why should you not care about iceberg? It's hilarious the way that you you poise that. Um, what you know, if you can you know take that uh, the the takeaways from that talk. Why shouldn't you care about iceberg? Because it's a table. You, like iceberg should give you this logical like way of working with data, and you should not care about uh, like it, how often do you care. Uh, how Postgres is uh, dividing your data up into files. Yeah. Like, have you ever cared? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> why do we have like you know transactional databases where you don't care underneath the file level and oh in the big data world uh you have to care very deeply about uh the size of your data files it's yeah. it's ridiculous yeah so you know that's our long-term vision for iceberg and for tabular is building this system where uh, the database gets smarter and smarter and takes on more workloads um, in order to free up, you know, mindshare for doing the important work of a data engineer, not, yeah. not thinking, oh, is Spark going to barf on this? Yeah. It, you mentioned, uh, you know, that th this you're, you're trying to take this approach versus like the hive like for like kind of uh, approach to building out a system like this. So what What's what's the hive like approach, and what what does that look like as opposed to, you know, what what you, what you all are doing, and like what what's what do you mean when you say hive like? So hive like tables were basically uh, unplanned. I would say mm -hmm. we uh, built a directory structure, and then we said, okay, now how do we like navigate within this directory structure to pick the files that we need. And like, there were some band-aids on top of that, but that was basically what, what you got. And the directory structure, like the directory names became columns in your data set. And you constantly had to work with those columns, the, the partitions and care very deeply about like what you're selecting there. Yeah. And that gets a little ridiculous. So yeah. if you're like trying to write data into a table by, you know, event time, but then you're actually storing it in these directories by processing time. Yeah. Uh, you have to both select your event time window, which is like, you know, event timestamp greater than, you know, 10 a.m. today. And then you have to think, okay, when, when were these records actually landed and processed? And I guess that could be any time after or, you know, given clock skew, like processing time after the, and you have to select entire directories and then scan through all the data in those directories. Like, again, like you're caring about what is underneath that table yeah. way more than you should. Um, so that's one problem with Hive-like tables. Um, they also like a hallmark of Hive-like tables is um, relying on like names in CSV files or JSON files or Parquet files mm -hmm. to do column resolution. Mm -hmm. So you get like odd behavior, like drop column foo, add column foo, and then you get all the data that you just dropped. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we call it zombie data. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. You don't want zombie data because <laughs> you, you probably don't drop a column and re-add it immediately. But, you know, there are situations and we've seen this where someone drops a column because they wrote bad data into it. Yeah. And then someone a couple of years later is like, why isn't there this column? And they add one and start filling it with data. And then they realize that aggregations have data from you know bad data from three years ago that they didn't know existed yeah um, yeah like that zombie data thing should probably just not happen yeah 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 so so essentially like hive like kind of systems are are kind of not like they were built with the premise and too heavily relying on the premise that hive set for big data systems and essentially there's you know they, they don't really act uh, they, they kind of, they have a couple things that maybe somewhat mimic it here and there, and they've made some iterations, but it's more like these, these things have largely not been able to stand up to become like equivalent to something that you would expect in like Postgres or other databases. That's exactly right. They're not real database tables because you, you have this, I mean, inherent like view into their internals 
yeah. their internals are constantly exposed to you, right? You have to know, oh, I, you know, this table does resolution by name or position or whatever. And that dictates like how your schema evolution on that table works. Like whether you get zombie data or whether you don't, whether you can rename or you get two columns and like weird stuff. Um, and so like exposing the internals of a table because we didn't really build the table abstraction correctly yeah. is I think the, the main problem. So when we built Iceberg, we decided to basically fix and restore that table abstraction. Yeah. Now I'm using like, the way I currently think about it, because it was like a couple of years later that I realized, oh, we just restored like SQL behavior. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like that, that's essentially what Iceberg did. We said, we're, we're changing this, we're, you know, making a breaking change. Let's fix all these problems and really make it so people don't need to care anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's I mean, I think that's deep. And and so does that kind of get down to the like philosophy of like, you know, why you built the spec and why because you know, so essentially there's there's a a spec about how how is that data stored? What's the ways that we can kind of interrupt? Like that's kind of that's not necessarily something that we would see in a traditional database, right? It's like now we're we're actually trying to branch out of like using a singular system. Uh, could you talk a little bit about like the goals there in the like iceberg philosophy? Yeah, so you know, uh, the spec was written out of pure selfishness. Um, <laughs> that was because I was the guy integrating Iceberg into Spark, and <laughs> we we basically said this is a ton of work, um, yeah. and we wanted to build not just our own table format at Netflix that solved our challenges, but we wanted to build something that other people could use. Mm -hmm. and that could be built into any database uh, or big data processing system. Um, and so we knew that in order to do that, having sort of tribal knowledge about how this works, another sort of hallmark of the, the Hive-like formats, like, oh yeah, it's a uh, underscore, underscore, Hive default partition, underscore, underscore, <laughs> null value in your partition. It's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we wanted to make sure that you would have compatibility and that engines could build on top of this work that we'd done, yeah. um, primarily so I didn't have to implement this in any other engine, um, yeah. which is, you know, sort of now paying off where you've got Snowflake and Dremio um, and, and other engines like Flink uh, that are being contributed to and, uh, yeah. and working with Iceberg. Yep. Yeah. And, and so I know there's still sometimes, you know, when, when engines first come in, there's still uh, at, at occasion, you know, like something that there's like, there's so many potential areas where you have to standardize on. And it's like the spec has just grown intensively to, to meet a lot of those needs over the years. But I remember like in the early days, whenever Iceberg was first officially released in Trino, like there were just still so many, like if there was something that was written by Spark, it was still really hard to get that working. And I feel like the the experience now, like getting newer engines in, like uh, what was the one that just uh, uh, Star Rocks or what is, or what's the, what's the Star one behind Rocks that? And what's Doris. Doris, Doris yeah. Doris, yeah. yeah, like yeah, number of them 
Yeah. So door, like I've, I've seen that, like they haven't had as big of an issue kind of getting in, integrated because I feel like now that we've had at least two or three different engines, especially with different types of use cases, it's been like a very different experience probably for even the newer engines that are coming in now. And that's just going to be the, the case, like kind of moving forward. Like it's just once, once you've kind of dealt with a lot of the, you know, kind of overlapping kind of, I think about it like just the Venn diagram. It's just so much easier to put more on top of it and make sure that you get into the circle. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that the, that's kind of one of the biggest things for me that like, I see that differentiates iceberg uh, from, from any, any other kind of table format out there is like the, the pure ability to just like look at a spec, real know exactly not not exactly but you know for the most part see essentially like learning from the previous query engines and how they did it uh how you're supposed to basically fall in on this format and then go it's like it's it's not like the easiest thing in the world to, to write that kind of integration overnight but it's still something that now is just way more approachable and it's only going to bring in a lot more uh you know future query engine and drive a lot more innovation around this this uh uh, around iceberg, particularly. Yeah, and I'm I'm really excited about that sort of thing. Um, you know, we're also building a a Python implementation um, to, that uh, I think we're working on a release hopefully this week with a CLI uh, that can work with the REST catalogs and and uh, you know explore things, show you table metadata. It's not quite there yet, but I'm really excited about being able to have this interoperability between the Python world yeah. and, you know, where it's totally normal to be like, uh, go fetch this data in a thousand different processes and, you know, train some ML model with slightly different parameters. Yeah. Like being able to share tables with those use cases and powerful engines like Trino, like yeah. that is a, a really uh, powerful data architecture. Yeah. Yeah. It just, and it, it brings it out to not just data engineers working in directly with iceberg anymore. It brings the data scientists or, or even anybody who kind of works in that Pythonic, you know, kind of language uh, or kind of approach where they're using, I don't know, pandas and all that stuff, being able to have a quick way to essentially just load that data through, you know, into like a pandas data frame and to have all that power that the pandas, you know, uh, Tool, tool set uh, or all the ML libraries that sit on there. Yeah, it's 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 extreme. Like it just lowers the barrier a lot for anybody that's even outside of the data engineering sphere. And it kind of now it's what's interesting about this is like there's all this talk you know that's been happening the last five years about like data scientists being like, oh, well, now I'm becoming kind of more of a data engineer. But it's like what what was being a data engineer ten years ago is just very widely different from what data engineering is today because now you could actually do a lot more with SQL and Python than you could in the early days of, of Hadoop. So so yeah. and iceberg iceberg is I mean in the early days of Hadoop you had to literally you know like do Java code programming and or and MapReduce uh, programming to be able to even touch this stuff but now it's like we're just worlds away from that being able to now like pi like everything is available in python and sql so it's it's crazy uh what that's what that's enabling um i don't know so so yeah so i think like that 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 flexibility that this gives users is is huge and uh yeah and i i think that that is primarily like like the big reason why i think a lot of people are getting excited around iceberg so yeah just the the choice of you know being able to use any processing engine and not 
I mean, you could do that before you just had to forklift data, right? Yeah. You, you had to be like, okay, well now I'm going to write a job to go, uh, you know, read from this place and write it into this other format because this thing can use it. Like, hopefully that just goes away. And, yeah. you know, we have like independent central data stores that are accessed by any number of different engines. I'm really excited about that world. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen and we've seen a lot of these use cases being asked, like, you know, so internally at Starburst, you know, more, more and more people are asking about Iceberg. Uh, Tom, you you have a lot of experience with in, in this kind of realm of like, you know, the, the different people that have been uh, kind of trying to figure these things out. Like what, what kind of use cases have you seen brought up from Starburst side that that kind of uh, is uh, people are asking about? Because I feel like that these aren't just like, oh, like Brian and Sam are just kind of coming up with these things off the top of their heads. Like these are very much like sought after use cases that that we've seen even, uh, you know, from just like starting from the Trino query engine and moving into, uh, you know, their whatever their particular use cases are. Yeah, I think I've seen, I've been actually really surprised in the last about three or four months. I've seen this huge rise in interest in Iceberg and, and I work on the, mostly our Galaxy, which is our SaaS product. So it's a hosted Trino version. So I talked to a lot of prospects from, you know, um, you know, large enterprise to mid-level companies. And I think the biggest thing there is that the promise of this whole data lake and then migration to a lake house is the majority of the people I'm talking to, they're landing data already into some kind of object store. And then they provide that up and they call that like, they provide that data to like data scientists. It's still kind of in a raw state. And then there's a, still this concept where I did data warehousing for years. I still need to get this into like a data warehouse. I need to be able to create I need to enrich this data. I need to join it and I need to create rollups and aggregations and then provide this out to a bunch of my BI reporting people. And in the mindset in what's happening in the industry right now still is I need to get it to a, I'm not going to name names, right? But it's a cloud data warehouse, right? I need to get that. And when I talk to these people and I'm like, and it's usually, well, well, let me just show you like, look at this, create table, roll up weekly sales, select star, and then format equals iceberg. And they're I never even thought about that. And just, you could see their, their, their mind shift in their head, like, and then I show my diagram that shows all, you know, like the three layers, right. You know, land it and then enrich it and then, and presentation. And I'm like, you could just do that right on top of your storage. And they're like, and you could see the little wheels turn. It's like, I don't need to go into, I don't need to separate my data. And it's not, sometimes it's about cost. Sometimes it's about now I have data that's landed here and now I have it over here. It's two systems I have to maintain. Why can't I just have one system? And, and I came up with this little, um, uh, this little diagram here. Let's see if I can get my screen to share. Yeah, I'll pull Let's it up. Here. Can you see that? Yep. Yeah, so I've been trying to go through and look at all the different engines that support uh, the Iceberg API. And obviously, uh, my world is over here. Our world is over here in, in Trino. Uh, but I was surprised by, you know, a lot of these different uh, engines out there. I call them engines, right? And, you know, when you see Snowflake dipping into this, that, you know, Ryan must have just like not slept that night because, you know, you have the big gorilla in the room going, hey, no, this is a valid table format. We're going to support it. Yep. I'm so surprised by it. But it just shows you that this is it. So when I talk to people like, don't you want this as your vision? You own this data. This is your data. It's in your account. Look at the what Iceberg gives you. It gives you database functionality that you've been asking for for years when they sold you on Hadoop, right? And they go, yeah, you can't modify the data. It's really slow. You uh, have to do add a bunch of columns just to do the partitioning. And then you have to teach your users that they always have to include those three columns that they don't really know what they're for, but they have to be in those queries. 
Otherwise, I'm going to kill your quarry. Um, and then, you know, the, the, you know, obviously there's time travel in here as well. So don't you want to be able to offer this and then pick and choose your engine? And the way I pitch it to people and say, like, for me, Starburst, like, we have to continue to win your business month by month. Otherwise, yeah. you just go pick one of these other engines. Or if there's one of these engines that are not, you know, or somebody comes by, right? Brian's engine comes along and it supports Iceberg and it does this really cool whatever, right? Something to do with data science there or something like that. You just, here's your data. You're ready to go. And yeah. I think this is the most exciting thing I've seen doing this for 25 plus years now that, uh, and I explained it to people, like imagine Oracle like open up their engine, you know, 20 years ago that anybody can come by and, and you know, and interact with their storage or something like that. That would be unheard of. Now yeah. we're at the point where that is heard of, like you can do this. And this is what the excitement is for a really a neutral API that's out there that you could just bring your own engine and these things come and go, right? I'm hoping that will be here for a long time, but these things come and go this you know, next year, there'll probably be five or six added onto this. This is yeah. going to get very, very busy. That's what there's, there's already, there's already a couple missing. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Let me know what they are. Yeah. Um, I'll so send it your way. I'll make <laughs> query and Apache Doris and Star oh. Rocks. Okay. So, like, BigQuery is okay. a pretty big one. Yeah, yeah. BigQuery is another big one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so BigQuery does now too. Okay. Well, I, I think it hasn't been released, but uh, there's okay. a um, an article where they mention adding Iceberg support. So. And yeah. then what's the um 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 Fivetran? Um, I heard Q4 will be out yeah. as well. Nice. So it's just growing and growing. And when I talk to people, it's like, don't you know? Where do you see yourself in two or three years? Having this architecture where you can kind of pick and choose what you want. Or you just want to be in some, I call Oracle on the cloud, right? You want to just be stuck in somewhere. There's no difference. And that's great. If you want to do that. And we've talked to some companies. They're like, we don't care. This is great. I'm like, okay, that's great. And I'll, I'll check back with you in a while. So it's pretty exciting times right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, I, I knew Tom was going to nail the excitement around it that, that we all are feeling about it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's like why you should choose Iceberg in a nutshell. Um but uh, yeah, so I mean, anything, Sam or, or Ryan, do you have anything, other comments that you have on that or, or even Cole, if you had any thoughts there? Yeah, I would say for me, the, the interoperability, that's that's the main story. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, Ryan talked about sort of hive-like tables exposing the internals, right? Yeah. And, and, and what, what I've seen from that is, you know, you can do things like versioning your table and every data engineer has their own mechanism for versioning their table and has their own mechanism for, you know, optimizing queries. And it, it really makes interoperability across different engines very difficult, right? And so with Iceberg, I think the spec, you know, having that spec that clearly outlines it that every every engine looks to and, and in, implements, it allows not just you know, you can write the data in one engine and query it in another, but all of those core iceberg features like rolling back snapshots, like time traveling are all available mm -hmm. across, you know, other engines and the behaviors are the same. So the, the conversations that I see, uh, you know, it, it's less about, oh, I can do this in this particular engine, but people talk about the table as a concept, right? They talk about, you know, hey, you know, what, have you looked at the table snapshots? Have you rolled back? And this is without even knowing necessarily what <laughs> engine that they're using is you're talking about iceberg tables. The conversation is around tables, right? The techniques yeah. and everything. So that, that, that I think is a big, a big part of it. Yeah. And, and in supporting, you know, database uh, type transactions and things like that and uh, all, all those capabilities, you know, the one thing that has lingered around from Hive uh, that we've all 
desperately wanted to kill uh, is the Hive Metastore. Uh, and so, you know, Hive Metastore is like one of those things you, you love and you love to hate. Um, and so it's it's like been able to give us a lot of the initial in, interoperability and a good migration story from a lot of people who are starting from Hive and moving into Iceberg. But it's it's never been one of these like, you know, fun services to run yourself. And also just like very confusing, especially just the same way that a lot of stuff with, with Hive was a little confusing in terms of like, you know, having things like the Thrift API to deal with or things like that. So what what what's going on in the iceberg community uh, like you know that that's kind of looking to address that you know let's so and and i want to you know preface anybody in the trino community we're going to use this word that we use in the trino community in a whole different context so th there's this thing called and we, we like to call them metadata catalogs because that differentiates them from the catalogs that we we typically are, are talking about so catalogs in trino land is we're talking about you know different systems that we're connecting to because we connect to multiple things like iceberg as well as postgres or any other kind of Elasticsearch, what have you so that's what in a trino land that's what a catalog is now in iceberg land you all just call them catalogs as well so that could that you know just wanted to be very clear when we're talking about catalogs in, in iceberg land we, we're talking about what we like to call metadata catalogs which is you know how uh, a catalog or a, essentially a way to store all of the the metadata across so could you talk a little bit about like what you what what a metadata catalog has to support and what variations there are and what you all are doing in kind of the iceberg community to to kind of think through the next generation of what that looks like yeah absolutely um so the catalog area is kind of funny um and and like you say like you would normally think of like an iceberg catalog or or something where you can talk to this thing that tracks iceberg tables. Um, but iceberg actually has many different catalogs. You can use Dynamo, you can use the Hive, uh, Hive Metastore, you can use uh, Glue, Tabular, um, and, and a number of very you know, different things. Um, and that was because at the time, no one could agree on what the successor to the Hive Metastore was. So we needed to make it pluggable so that you could use whatever you chose to. Um, but what we found is that proliferation of like catalog implementations uh, or Metastore catalog implementations got pretty messy. Yeah. So like, yes, you can just hook up a JDBC table and, and like, you know, send your catalog information to an RDS and, you know, everyone's happy. The problem then is you've got to get that jar for your catalog implementation into Trino and into Spark and into, you know, things like Dremio and, you know, like where it's, it's kind of harder to drop in a jar with your own logic. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, Starburst Galaxy is another great example. Like if I came to Starburst Galaxy and was like, Hey, I really want to use Starburst Galaxy, but I need to drop this jar into your hosted infrastructure. You'd be like, go away. You're crazy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let, let's do that. Um, so what we've been working on lately is um, sort of akin to the thrift API for hive Metastore mm -hmm. only like it, the thrift API was like internal communications channel that eventually became this thing that everyone said, all right, well, we can just implement that thrift server and, and make it look like you're talking to the hive Metastore. We're actually defining a REST-based specification for a Metastore um, and how you interact with that Metastore. 
um, to replace that thrift API because that's that's really where the compatibility comes from. Mm -hmm. So we can drop a REST catalog uh, connector into Trino and you can talk with any custom Metastore backend, right? And we can yeah. do that same thing uh, and, and basically all agree on how to talk to a Metastore um, for iceberg tables. Got so it. that makes this really clean because that's something that we can drop into Starburst Galaxy so yeah. that Starburst Galaxy can talk to basically anything. Yep. And then we also have an adapter so that you can run your own HTTP service that you know talks to your JDBC backend or whatever. Um, and what I'm actually really excited about is this cleans up some of the ugly areas of the catalog API as well. Hmm. So when we were trying to go for this like lowest common denominator, you can plug in your own catalog thing. Um, we made it so that every commit basically swapped the metadata file. Hmm. And so like any change to the table metadata could conflict with any other change. Well, in the REST spec, we're making it uh, diff based. So two clients will send changes like add this, you know, add this column to a schema and add this snapshot and set the current snapshot. Um, and those two things have nothing to do with one another. So both can um, succeed from the client's perspective. Hmm. So we have fewer retries and we have fewer, um, you know, commit conflicts and basically everything operates faster and with, uh, you know, fewer rewritten data files. So we're really excited about the, not only the connectivity that this brings, but also the ability to just, you know, make progress on some of those fundamental challenges and, and make the commits a bit better. Interesting. What well, that's the, you know, I, I think that in, in, uh, uh, in the, in, in the grand, uh, grand scheme of like how, how we actually would be able to approach this. I don't see any other way that like you can get everybody to agree without coming up with yet another kind of spec or way to kind of, you know, so how, how do we actually, I mean, so have you found any issues like getting into the, uh, getting the actual rest API and all that stuff agreed upon, or is that primarily just a couple like maintainers and maybe a couple interested, I don't know, pe people that are really interested in, in developing this feature? Are they kind of providing a lot of the feedback or how do you even then determine the, the one catalog to rule them all, I guess? Well, so it's not one catalog to rule them all. This is really just an option for talking to catalogs. Okay. You can adapt the old catalog jar API right into yeah. this. So okay. we think that that's really going to help. But, you know, a lot of the interest here is from companies like Netflix and Apple and others that run their own catalogs, yeah. right? And they have never been able to, you know, use services like Starburst Galaxy because, you know, you're not going to drop Netflix's catalog jar in there. So it opens up this world of, you know, uh, compatibility. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's really going to drive the adoption. Gotcha. Yeah, where one catalog could exist at both Netflix and, and Apple, and yet they're still using their, you know, their custom, you know, uh, version that they have, they've worked on for years or had like five different iterations of however they want to do it. It's like they, they basically get that freedom to use whatever they're using internally for their Metastore. And then now uh, it's still falling under the same API. That's really exactly. Cool. And they could just stand up a, a simple microservice. Um, that fronts their catalog jar 
um, that translates and, and does this. So it's actually really simple to set up. And then you have that, that connectivity. Nice. Another interesting kind of cool feature that I, I haven't, this one just like falls totally outside of the, the whole spectrum of maybe what you would expect in a database, but this is starting to become a very trendy thing in, in like, uh, the, the whole, uh, maybe big data world in terms of how we're trying to get, you know, this whole concept of like data lineage and things like that. But uh, Sam, could you tell us a little bit about uh, kind of like maybe the, you know, we essentially icebergs built on these things called snapshots. We've, we've talked about that before and you could kind of make the analogy that snapshots kind of work like commits and like Git, you know, and, and, and thinking about this, like traditionally when you think about databases, you think about a very just one linear write ahead log, and then like that gets committed to the actual uh, persistent database, and that's that's the end of the story there. But now with it, big data and the way that we're kind of modeling this data, and it's a very transparent thing, you're actually able to interact with these kind of snapshots. We we kind of are are, are enabled to kind of have a Git like capability around like how we version uh, our data. And so, could you talk a little bit about like what? what features may be coming out and what you all are doing in, around that uh, space in terms of uh, support for that? Yeah, so I think that the analogy to Git commits is a, is, a, is a good one. It's a common one that's used, right? The snapshots are, you know, I mean, commit is a terminology used in, in Iceberg and yeah. uh, the source code, but uh, yeah, I, there's, so I, a couple of big features that are coming up are uh, branching and tagging, which has been accepted and uh, added to the spec. So it's included now in the official specification, and the, and the implementation is uh, is is in progress now. Uh, a big use case for that is uh, you know integrated audits, or what's called write audit publish, and uh, it it really allows you to take uh, you know like you I think you described it well. Is, you know traditionally we just think of a table as like a linear object, and changes are made, and there's this one current state of the table. Yeah. And with Iceberg and the rich metadata and the, the concept of snapshotting, um, you can do some pretty cool things there. And the, what Write Audit Publish does, it allows you to sort of stage snapshots. Mm -hmm. uh, so instead of just, you know, inserting data and in the, the current state of the table changes, you can actually stage that data and it gives you this buffer area where you can run audits against it, right? Yeah. Um, and um, and that's all done without branching and tagging, right? So yeah. today it uses a cherry pick, which actually works really well. Um, uh, and it's it's you know you, it, the scale doesn't matter too; it scales with Iceberg, so you can actually perform these uh, you know stage stage these commits and audit with very very large tables. Um, where what we want to be clear too is that these are actually our only current. We haven't supported this yet in Trino, but uh, so everything that Sam's about to tell all of you, get excited. We'll probably eventually support it, you know. And if you want something like this, let us know. But uh, we currently you have to do all this through Spark, correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So the so it's the 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 actual mechanisms are there in the core library, but Spark is Spark is um, the the main engine that's implemented it. Okay. Uh, with branching and tagging, though, uh, that I think will bring uh, sort of a new element that'll make the pattern even more powerful. And so, you know, I think the roadmap for branching and tagging, and once that's available in in Spark and in Trino, um, that'll be a, a much more powerful mechanism to use this this pattern. I, if I could just talk quick about that. Um, so like right now with the, the whole concept of cherry picking, it works really well for a sort of a traditional uh, 
you know, batch workflow ETL, right? Mm -hmm. You, you stay some data, it runs daily, for example, and you want to run some automated audits where it starts to get tricky is if you're doing sort of long running changes or you want to, uh, I think a common use case is you have a couple branches versions of your table that you run in parallel. Uh, it's a common ML case. You're running different experiments and you run it for weeks, potentially months. Uh, and what branching allows you to do, uh, once it's implemented, it'll light a branch to a different uh, sort of named reference for the table. And you can write to that as if it's the current head of the table and you can do anything. You can do schema changes, you can do appends, deletes, and um, you know, merging that branch in or bringing it back to the current head is, is just a, a metadata operation as yeah. well. So it, it makes it a bit more powerful and more robust and so when you have like large concurrent writes uh, across, you know, sometimes writing to the same partition multiple times, those are things that the current the current model, uh, you know, can do, but is a bit tricky. And yeah. branching and tagging will clean a lot of that up. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think in general, just having even the ability to alias a snapshot, you know, with something that's like, you know, every every day, let's say you you cut, you know, you're 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 calling like at this time, I'm gonna set up an automated way to to start tagging this at the day or hour or what what have you, and you want to basically be able to do rollbacks to all these different times and have a name for that, so that when you, you know, you essentially do select all from this name thing. It's just, it's just so much cleaner and clearer. And, and once everybody understands some, you know, spec that you set up that you have on that to, to actually identify that, whatever that snapshot is, then everybody's talking to the same snapshot. It's, it's in human language. It's not in, you know, yeah. one, three, five. I mean, you'll, you'll see, you'll see that here in the demo shortly of, uh, it's yeah, actually, addressing things directly. Actually, so in the in the last uh, community sync this week, uh, someone brought up a great use case, you know, very similar to that where, and it was around compaction, right? Is that you can sort of tag a point in the data where data is compacted up yeah. until this point, and then uh, users, your you know, data scientists or whoever else are sort of consuming the data can just query at the tag. Yeah. Right? So it gives yeah. you sort of that that those capabilities as well. So yeah, there's there's tons of Wait, I'm excited for this feature in particular. It's a, there, there are a lot of, a lot of great things that you can do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be huge. And, and I, I think that, uh, you know, people will always, I mean, communities always surprise me in terms of how they figure out different ways to, to use something that gets, gets released in the wild. And you'll, I mean, this is, this is what we like to do is releasing some of these, like, you know, kind of features like core core capabilities without actually diving too heavy into what this could mean. And then people just keep surprising us in terms of like the ideas that they come uh, up with, the applications that can go from there. So it's always really fun to see those things happen. Um, another cool thing that in terms of like how community brings up really interesting things like we actually i actually want to take a moment to to brag on uh Piotr Findesen, uh who is one of our long-term trino contributors he he brought up uh an interesting use case that uh we'll we'll dive into uh in a in a little bit uh it's one of the uh kind of examples of things that change in trino iceberg connector uh actually in this last uh release um 
but uh, we we were trying to basically do this like uh, analyze cap- uh, statement, and uh, analyze gives you this ability to like build up statistics and stuff like that, so that you're when you're running the uh, you know query, uh, essentially building the query plan, you can have better statistics to work with to essentially you know build the query and, and run it more optimally. And some of those stats exist at a table level, but other stats dive in and live at a more granular level. So uh, Sam, could you kind of dive in and talk a little bit more about like the, this, you know, kind of new format that we're looking into that uh, it's particularly not to be confused with table format. This is a new file format uh, that we're looking to replace something on the lines of like Orc and Parquet. Yeah. So, so Puffin is the, is the name for it, which, uh, which yeah, I, I really like the name. Uh, but the, the big thing here is that the, the Puffin format, it's a, it's an official spec. Uh, so you can see it is published on the iceberg doc site and um, you know, it really couples sort of these uh, stats and indexes to, to in, uh, an individual iceberg tables. So um, you know, all engines can eventually sort of take advantage of them, which is, which is in line with the theme of iceberg, right? It's uh, yeah. that it's consistent, reliable interoperability, you know, across across different engines. And the first, yeah, uh, Piotr uh, was really the one driving kind of the the first use case here. So it's out there with uh, it uses uh, sketches. So um, you know, sketches. Uh, one of the other terms for a stochastic uh, streaming algorithms. It sort of like processes a stream of data, and uh, you know, you can provide approximations. And then using those approximations, you can sort of speed up the query on orders of magnitude faster than you know exact methods. So, so the you know that the it has all of this is specified there in terms of like you know how these blob types work and how you can define them. And so the idea here is as the format uh, you know as this format grows over time, that it can you know be a, a place for uh, engines to sort of speak the same language when it comes to statistics and, and indexes and all the other things that are used. And during query planning. Nice. Yeah. So how does like, so we, you know, Parquet and Orc, they have, they have also kind of like file level statistics. Is there, what's, what's the big advantage that Puffin's bringing outside of like, you know, from a, like what it's actually storing or, or, you know, I know there's some things like relation to iceberg. So is this iceberg specific? Uh, And you, you know, it's something you would have to be following the larger iceberg spec in order to be able to use puffin or could puffin be used outside like technically in delta lake or something like that so puffin could be used in delta lake um the the purpose of the format is to basically hold these sketch blobs so that you can do incremental work you know the the initial use case is uh counting the distinct values for a column and Mm -hmm. producing a sketch for that and that's really important when it comes to like join reordering and, and planning within Trino and, and other engines. So like knowing, hey, I'm going to get like six different values versus 6,000 different values, right? Yeah. Like you can tell um, if you're feeding that into a join, that's really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Huge. so what, what you want to do though is not read the entire table to produce that estimate every single time. Yeah. So what you want to do is, is read the table once, produce a sketch, and then incrementally update that sketch. Hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what the, the Puffin format is intended to do. It holds those sketches, which could be really big. Um, you know, it, we're, we're going to be using it for indexes coming up as well. So think like a, a Bloom filter index. Cool. Well, a Bloom filter, you need one byte per unique data value. 
Um, so if you have uh, you know, a million uh, unique data values in a given partition, that needs to be a megabyte large. And that's just way too big to fit in like an Avro or Parquet or Orc format. Gotcha. Um, you know, those things are, are really built for row level data where you have like eight byte values instead of a million byte values. Got it. Got it. Super cool. Um, and, and so when, when would, I mean, what's the plan or I guess kind of, I, I, we already have the spec kind of going is, there any plans around like how puffin's going to come to light or is it i guess it's kind of starting with trino um and what are the conversations going on around like puffin right now in terms of when or what or you know next steps well we're working on getting the metadata tracking like to to identify puffin files and and link them to iceberg metadata into the iceberg spec so like iceberg's going to have a, a section of statistics files um, where you can uh, interact and like, you know, set a new stats file for some uh, analysis that you did and, uh, you know, sort of manage the files. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to have an API for like, hey, get me the NDV for this column. Um, and, and that'll say, here's your, your result. Um, and it, it may or may not be at that granularity, but that's, that's basically what we're doing. In the meantime, I think the analyze table just uses table properties, yeah. um, the one that just went into Trino, yep. um, which is a good workaround. But eventually we want that as part of the Iceberg format so that it's shared um, and you can run analyze table in Iceberg, or sorry, uh, in uh, you know some other engine. Say Tabular does that in the background for you and keeps these analyses up to date. Gotcha. Um, like, or your secondary indexes keep those up to date. Um, and then all of the the um, consumers of that table can use the information. Gotcha. Well, there's there's a lot. I mean, we're we're so we're getting heading close to an hour right now, but there's a lot that we could keep going on going with. Is there any kind of last thoughts that you you all have or want to share or, or you know uh, excitement around the you know community that you know you'd like to let everybody on the broadcast know? I would say keep an eye out for the Python release that's coming out, the 0.1. Uh, Faco's the release manager who's, uh, you know, been doing a lot of great work and, you know, actually contributed the CLI. Uh, so and he's actually one of uh, one of the newest committers on the on the project. So he's going to be a release manager. Look out for that. Everyone, please, please try. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that you can do, exploring catalogs, listing tables, sort of, all, you know, that that whole area. And we want as much feedback as possible there. Awesome. And uh, we have links, by the way, to the community uh, segment. So if you if you need to find out how to you know get involved and do all that, you go to community and then just look up Sam. Uh, I'm going to just put you out there, Sam, because you're a developer advocate and that's your job. So <laughs> you just reach out to Sam on Slack and, and that's that's where you'll 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 find him for sure. Sounds good. I'd, I'd also love to highlight um, the, the rest catalog support that's going into Trino. Yeah, um, I think it's like very like within hours or days of going in yeah. and that's going to be really awesome because, you know, that interoperability story is really happening um, yeah. that, you know, also allows you to use services like tabular, um, you know, so like we were looking at that, um, you know, that that diagram before of all the different compute engines and frameworks and ways yeah. of using your data. Um, the one thing at the top was, you know, a central metadata catalog, <laughs> which is, you know, part of what tabular provides and 
all those engines through the REST catalog are going to be able to talk to Tabular. And so you don't have to run your own Hive Metastore. You'll be able to have like real uh, Metastore or catalog features like, hey, if you drop a table, you can just undelete it, things like that, where you know, we've never been able to do these in Hive. Yeah. Um, but they're they're super important operations. I, I've yeah. accidentally deleted production tables, and that's not a fun day. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm really excited just to to have that um, REST catalog and interoperability there. Yeah, and that's Dan Dan Weeks is pushing that one, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a link to that one as well if you're wanting to track that and and get your hands on it. Is it? Is it something that's pretty, so if you have a Hive Metastore and you have this REST catalog, you would technically be able to put that in front of the Hive Metastore to, to get, okay. So right. so that would be kind of a first step to kind of playing around if, if once this thing lands to uh, essentially start uh, branching into using this type of REST catalog. Yeah, well, I mean, we could, you can also ask us for a, you know, a preview of the Tabular platform too, if you want. Cool. Yeah. like. Um, you know, we're, we're already building one as well. Cool. Um, yeah, we should definitely, as, as that stuff kind of comes out too, we should show people how to take advantage of this. And so we'll, maybe Sam and I can get some blogs written together on that. Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. And you also already have a container that like you can drop in your catalog jar and then it'll, it acts as a, a rest catalog for that catalog. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it kind of has like a sort of let API, you know, Dan, Dan, um, you know, did a lot of work to put that together. So uh, maybe we can we can share that, Brian, we can play around with it. Yeah, that'd be great. I think I think a lot of people are looking for, you know, kind of a, a simple starter solution. And we're we're getting closer to that, uh, especially for for new people to both Trino and Iceberg, like that, just having essentially like what we were talking about from the beginning, like a very practically out of the box database uh, and and keeping it as simple as possible. I think that's super exciting. So we we definitely will will be working on some more around that. Um, while we're talking about things that uh, you know have have come out, I want to quickly highlight uh, pretty much everything that's come out in the last year uh, for for the you know the iceberg like Trino connector. I should say Trino iceberg connector uh, updates. Um, these are really the big big ones that we we uh you know are super excited about uh that kind of get us to that like out of the box like capability so back when we talked in like april 2021 ryan like this was at a time where we we were still like very much the faster read version to spark mm -hmm. and so uh, the common setup that we saw back then was like spark was the ingest kind of like you know streaming thing or occasionally it would be flink uh, you know for if they wanted to do more streaming ingestion and so you would have spark kind of do a lot of the the writing to to iceberg and then trino uh was still not really supporting dml yet and so you would just have trino kind of pull out so if you if you had somebody that was wanting to use trino on iceberg you really had to you know, have Spark as a kind of sidecar, <laughs> like like a, a query engine, and so now we're we're finally getting to this point in the last year, and and specifically in just two releases ago, uh, we were we released the merge uh, capability in Trino, and uh, we're going to be demoing this here in a second, so I won't go too heavy into that. But if you don't want to merge, this is essentially kind of you know similar. You can think about it kind of like a upsert, where you kind of like update and inserting data, and basically trying to make sure that 
data and a particular criteria uh, will will you know run an update. And if it doesn't exist, essentially you're going to maybe do an insert. Or if it does exist under other criteria, you want to delete that data. So it, it's a very flexible version of kind of like being able to update data delete data and and potentially insert data uh, given the, the different criteria that you send into merge. So it's a very powerful SQL construct that we got in and uh, it's very popular with Iceberg since you know Iceberg does support a lot of this asset uh, transaction capability uh, on this stuff. So it's it's uh, super exciting that we got this. Also had a couple other you know create read update. Uh, we, we obviously have always had read, but the update delete uh, and uh, capabilities uh, are also very important to a lot of folks that were needing that support. So uh, update and delete have been around for quite a few releases now. I just you know way quite a bit earlier this year, and those were really exciting. And even some of the things that were introduced in Merge are actually going to be coming down as uh, secondary iterations of update and delete that will, uh, we just didn't have before in the core engine that will actually uh, optimize some performance there as well. So so super exciting uh, that uh, we got all of that in. And so uh, we'll be demoing that. Another big one, uh, we kind of demonstrated back in April, you know, time traveling in terms of like being able to specify snapshots, and we used this at syntax, but it wasn't actually following what other query engines were doing, and we wanted to, again, keeping in the mind of like how uh, you know a lot of other people's mind, uh, you know, frame of mind is in terms of the syntax they're expecting on Iceberg. We want to try to fall in as similar as possible to other. Uh, other query engines that follow the ANSI SQL syntax. So we we did follow in a lot with uh, how Hive has modeled a lot of these uh, this time traveling, and we we got the SQL support. So I, I kind of it was a little you know clunky, but we first. Uh, took the uh, deprecation in 387 and then we introduced the uh, introduces sorry introduces in 386 and we had a fix in 386 388. And then uh, we deprecated in 387 the at syntax. So just a little bit of uh, things to know. And in general, you know, I'm giving you ver releases or versions just so you know, but uh, better to just stay on the latest version so you, you have essentially all of this uh, that I'm listing off here. Yeah, and have, to be clear, it now uses the as of syntax like you'd expect. Yep. Uh, and we're we're working. Uh, by the time we release these show notes, Cole's uh, pull, pull request to actually document this time traveling stuff will will ha uh, have landed, and we'll we'll uh, link you all to that and patch that through. So so super excited about that. Um, uh, so that you can all kind of take advantage of that. Uh, it's a lot cleaner, and we'll we'll show it here in just a second as well uh, in a demo. Um, so then there's partition migration. That was another big one. So you know. Trino is always able to read these partition migrations. So uh, we we talk a lot about this in the in the last episode, uh, in the previous episode. So to find out more about this, you basically if you are using a partition, you can you don't have to basically drop what you used to have to do in Hive, drop a whole table and recreate a new one uh, to basically change your partition. Now you can do that in place, and so. Trino was able to read these tables if this was done in Spark, but we were not able to actually write and do this ourselves. This was recently changed uh, as well, and so uh, we're able to do that. We'll also be demoing that <laughs> as well. Um, when uh, Tom was talking about like all of these things that you typically want to do in a database, you know, you want to be able to uh, kind of run optimize, uh, expire different snapshots that are older, so that you're you're maintaining kind of a speed, like all this kind of 
good housekeeping around, uh, you know, kind of your database. Uh, these are things that uh, we we have also kind of included, and these are the first three. There are a couple other ones that are in in route, and so, uh, but these were like the top three requested ones. Being able to kind of do uh, the equivalent of like vacuum these remove orphan files and uh, being able to expire these snapshots gives gives you a lot more uh, performance whenever you're uh, running these types of plans. Um, and then uh, we we did once the V2 sport was was uh, uh, cinched in. We we put a lot of effort in the last I think four or five months, uh, really heavy effort to to get up to V2 full V2 support. So uh, we are there now, and it's uh, super exciting. And pretty much every single release, if you look, uh, there's almost some sort of uh, planning pushdown, uh, avoiding excessive sanding. I want to specifically in the planning one. This was the one that uh, we were talking about that uh, pushed. Uh, you know, for, that Piotr was working on that essentially we're, we're doing a workaround right now, but once the Puffin format is full on, we'll be able to actually have a much more elaborate analyze that is able to take uh, advantage of, uh, of those file level statistics. So, um, so that, that's super exciting and being able to take, you know, kind of uh, get those, what, what did you call them? Hints or they're called, what blobs are called? Not hints, sketches. sketches. Um, so to take those sketches and be able be able to kind of integrate that into the uh, the full um, you know query planning uh, phase. So it's super exciting stuff that we hopefully will get into in uh, the next couple months. Um, but there's always some sort of you know iceberg thing going out there. So we we highly recommend to to stay up to date with Trino as much as you possibly can <laughs> uh, if you're if you're using iceberg because there's just constantly uh, a lot there's a lot going on here and so um, so yeah. Yeah, so uh, really excited here. And if there is something that you know you you are essentially missing um, from you know the the Trino query engine, uh, please do open an issue and let us know that's something that you're really wanting to get. Um, but uh, but yeah, and anything uh, you know, Ryan or or Sam or or Tom or Cole, anybody anybody have a any other things they'd like to add in terms of what we've been doing lately and the uh, kind of overlap here? Yeah, I think it's just worth emphasizing that. Like the iceberg connector, if it isn't the most active area of development in Trino, it's <laughs> it's right up there. Yeah. Um, so there's new stuff coming out all the time. Um, keep an eye on it, right? Like we're gonna get more cool things in the next coming weeks and months. Um, and you said already keep updated, but like seriously, like you yeah. will get performance improvements, new features, basically every release in Trino. So it'll it'll be rewarding to stay up to date on that because it's improving all the time. Yeah. And, and yeah. one final kind of thing to put on with that too, is like now with all these changes too, like we used to kind of have to debate whether we would recommend somebody who's brand new coming to Trino, whether they should use Hive or Iceberg. I think like we're actually at a point now where we can pretty much just say, if you want to use Trino, you can just use Iceberg and you don't have to worry about like, you, you shouldn't have to like worry about all the stuff that could be missing from hive that you like that that isn't an iceberg yet or we're, we're pretty much at a, a place where now where that's like that could be your primary storage so well and, and more is also coming right the, yeah. the catalog support that's up and coming yeah um, is is really going to be powerful like yeah um i'm excited because you'll be able to connect to tabular and tabular takes care of things like optimize and expire snapshots and remove or yeah. files and all that sort of in the background so you don't have to think about that yep. you don't have to think hey when was the last time i like compacted my data files <laughs> you know you kind of want something monitoring your commits and watching yep. that for you um so like 
I'm, I'm really excited about how that's going to allow us to work together. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think the, you know, on that is I, again, I, I talked about galaxy or our, our, uh, our SaaS solution is we made the decision that, um, uh, default to, to iceberg for everything. So if you're, if you're just using galaxy, you start creating tables, it's all iceberg. So that's how confident we are. So that's good news. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, uh, with that, let's move on to the PR of the week. All right. Oops. And I removed it on accident. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd it go? Uh, okay. So this PR of the episode, we we alluded to earlier uh, in terms of this like uh, super performance punch that uh, we got to uh, writing writing tables. And this is also another big deal when it comes to, uh, you know, when we talk about the the merge feature and being able to do these super fast inserts on, on Iceberg, um, you know, we, we want to be able to kind of... Uh, uh, do this uh, kind of fa- faster writes, right? And so um, this this uh, particular uh, table writer is is now uh, per task. It's going to automatically uh, detect what uh, the, essentially the uh, amount of of data that's basically coming through a writer and scale uh, that automatically. Um, right now, it kind of defaults to one, but uh, what what this PR is attempting to do is basically trying to uh, ultimately allow allow the ability to. Uh, basically, if 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 uh, there's some skew potential or things like that, uh, now you can say, okay, well this this one essentially worker or task is uh, getting everything. Now we can split that out uh, across multiple workers, across multiple tasks, and uh, this is kind of getting into some of these like ideas of like you know adaptive uh, capabilities that we're we're bringing into Trino, where now we'll we'll be able to uh, scale up the the um, tasks automatically. So, so this is super exciting and fun. Um, and uh, on average, we are seeing a 6x uh, speed up for some initial results that we did with, you know, various tests. And so uh, it's really going to be interesting to see what this looks like in pro- in practice. Um, this, uh, this isn't just for Iceberg either. This is for um, everything in Trino. So, so that is, uh, uh, yeah, just basically super exciting and wanted to thank Wara for, uh, um, you know, bringing this in and uh, everybody who, who uh, was uh, doing the, um, uh, basically the, the, uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> the review for this, um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, uh, anything on this Cole? Yeah. I was going to say, do you want to, yeah, any it's more not context? everything in Trino. Uh, it only impacts, I think, Hive, Delta Lake and Iceberg. Ah, uh, okay. I thought this was, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, of course, because this is like thinking, thinking through, uh, anything that is, uh, talking to like a distributed file store, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it, okay. it won't be everywhere, but it'll be for those three things. But what would this not be? Would would it not make sense for uh, other distributed systems? Like, or is that possible? Or do you, are you aware? I think there's more to come. Um, like that PR, I think it's an improvement. It's not working incredibly well with partitioned tables. Okay, um, and that's like more down the line. Um, and we may see you know follow up work related to that. Um, but that's at least where it is right now. And that's going to impact, you know, a broad variety of use cases because I think a lot of people are just using Hive Delta or Iceberg for recommending Iceberg. So, 
Gotcha. Uh, real quick, uh, I have we've had a couple of chats come in that I that I missed. So uh, first, I want to bring up uh, Manfred is apparently watching us. He we we uh, kicked him out today, and so he's uh, he's he's uh, keeping his eye on on me and Cole, making sure that we're behaving well on the show. And then uh, Damon, as always, our longtime fan. Thanks for always joining these and uh, and hanging out here. Um, Manfred is ready for the demo. <laughs> and uh, one last thing, Brandon, uh, not sure for uh, which Brandon this is, but uh, uh, I, I, for one, am excited about the future of Iceberg, and we are all super excited about the future of Iceberg. So with that, uh, let's hop into an Iceberg Entrino demo. I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, man, I bet. I, yeah, I was like, is everybody thinking that I'm having a stroke or that I just like. <laughs> OK, uh, uh, anyways, uh, let's let's hop real fast into um, the demo of the episode. I also said, like, I think the con concept of the episode before uh, I, or concept of the week. I'm still so used to saying week uh, than anything else. So. Um, this is coming from the Trino Getting Started repo. I already pulled up this uh, this repository uh, and uh, go into basically the iceberg and the Trino iceberg min.io uh, demo. And then you'll just run docker compose up uh, dash D. You have to have docker installed. Uh, it's super easy if you're on Mac and uh, uh, Windows. Uh, if you're on Linux, I hope you know how to set that up. <laughs> yeah, it's not horrible. I've, I've done it once before myself, but it's just not like a, a, a click on a DMG or something like that. So, uh, but not the worst thing in the world either. But yeah, uh, set up uh, that and then pull up, uh, go, go to this directory and then you'll put docker compose up D. Now, basically, what that does is it pulls up uh, min.io in the background. So let's actually uh, pull up min.io real fast here. Oops. And we'll log in there just to kind of, I, I always like to, when we're doing these uh, data lake ones, I like to, uh, um, oh, it's because I went to a, there we go. Okay, so basically, Minio is just going to be showing us the actual data layer of our uh, of our data lake, and um, let's go ahead and also, you know, we also have Trino running in the background just for showing it. So we have Trino right there. Okay, and. Um, so once those are running, we can actually start going through and uh, setting this up. Now, I have a particularly a, um, let's do a show catalogs. You can actually go in to see the catalog setup that I have in this, uh, uh, in this uh, setup here. But basically, I have Hive Iceberg set up uh, as catalogs, as also a couple of our, uh, you know, freebie uh, generated catalogs there. Uh, and so basically uh, we'll use the, the iceberg throughout this whole one, but uh, we also have high for, for other, if you wanna play around with like going between the two. So first thing we gotta do is we gotta create a schema and we're gonna use the schema to actually point us to a particular location inside MinIO. So inside MinIO, let's go ahead and create that location. We'll, we'll uh, I always like using this logging um, example that is uh kind of the default example on uh iceberg unless you guys changed it <laughs> um but yeah so we just create a bucket logging and we're gonna point our schema there 
We'll run that. And then we're going to, and actually, can you all see that? Let me see if I can zoom in just a little bit there. Okay. And uh, so now we're going to do the create table. And this is going to be the, the pretty much the same thing that we created the last in the last episode uh, in Trina Community Broadcast. The only difference here is uh, the default actually here is actually two, but I wanted to add this this just for clarity that this is a new property that you can specify. And if you are using like format version one, uh, you could specify that there. Uh, but we highly recommend just not putting anything or just specifying two. Uh, that keeps you on the latest version of uh, of I, the iceberg spec. So we'll go ahead and create that. And what this is going to do is create four, four columns, level, event, message, call stack. Uh, and uh, you can kind of look at the different types there. And we're going to be partitioning uh, using a day-level day partition uh, on event time uh, call stack. And so this is already one of the big differences that we pointed out is that you know, you're not having... This, this actually gets kind of internally managed inside of the Iceberg format uh, for you. And you're not having to really think through like putting the event, a, sec a secondary event time catalog or uh, column or anything on the last bit, last column and all that kind of stuff. So that's already one cool thing from you know, the hive, hive format that you don't have to do. Um, so let's go ahead and insert some data in here. We're going to insert uh, just two records for right now. And let's go ahead and select and make sure that those got in there. Sure enough, we have some uh, data sitting in there now. And I'd like to first point out now that we talk about like, you know, the partitioning level and doing our partition migrations, we currently have one partition that's at the day level. So it's uh, these two different um, rows are coming in at different times, different hours, but they are at the same day. So that is just one single partition that we have here. And so now we can actually run this uh, partition migration. So this is alter table, iceberg logging logs, and we're going to set the property partitioning now to uh, kill the level uh, part of that partition. And we're just going to actually just split it into uh, just hour at the event time. So now uh, anything that we push in now should go to, uh, to that uh, partition. So we'll go ahead and insert some new data here. So this is the third message, fourth message, and fifth message. It's kind of how I'm uniquely identifying these since we don't have a, any kind of key that we're using. And let's go ahead and pull from that table again, we see five different uh, messages that get pulled back. Let's, let's go ahead and look at those partitions now. So now we actually have uh, the event time day, uh, sorry, uh, this initial partition that we had at the day level, that has the two initial records that we pushed. And now we're gonna, the, the three different uh, records that we pushed, they differ, two are on the, on the same hour. So two of these are in three o'clock, three fifty-five specifically, and then this one is four fifty-five. So the four fifty-five gets set at a particular hour down here, and the other one is on this one. So we have three different partitions now moving forward, which is pretty cool. Um, so now, if we actually do a query like this, where we're going to say, "I want to get anything that is less than uh, four fifty-five," essentially, we want to cut out. Uh, one of the particular cases, it's only, it doesn't have to actually scan the 
455 uh, uh, timestamp, it can actually scan uh, any time before that. So it's going to only touch the day level at 4.1, and it's only going to touch the uh, the hour one that has specifically uh, falls in inside that uh, that time range. So we, we correctly get only uh, four messages back uh, as we aren't getting the last one, but we only talked to two partitions. We didn't have to scan every single one, which is pretty cool. So um, so let's look at the... Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just going to look at the... We also have the concept of snapshots. I want to point that out there. So each different write that we've done so far has done uh, a different snapshot for each... Uh, kind of insert. So we have the create and then we have the two inserts for those snapshots. And now let's run an update. So we're going to basically say uh, anywhere on the logs that has the uh, warn level. So again, let's look at our logs table one last time. So we have, you know, uh, two warn uh, rows. We're going to add a well hello there uh, message to the call stack uh, for that update. It's a very important update to run on those worn, worn levels. And so if we look at that, this is now showcasing update. And there it is. Well, hello there. Fits inside the call stack uh, for only worn levels. So, um, so that's showcasing update. I forgot to put in delete here, but delete also works. <laughs> and uh, let's go ahead and look at the snapshots now. So interesting uh, here is that the update uh, shows up as an overwrite. So, uh, sorry, that's that's not interesting. Um, <laughs> and what we want to do real fast is let's see if we can look at the time, the snapshot before um, that. So this is that time traveling. The old way that we did in the previous episode was this uh, format here where it says iceberg logging logs, and then this at notation, and then you would specify the the snapshot ID here. Actually, let me just make this, well, yeah, doesn't matter. But here now we use select all from iceberg logging logs. And now instead of having this kind of hacky thing that you have to do with the table, you say, you use SQL, you say for version as of, and then you'll specify the actual snapshot ID. And now what we should see is what the table looked like before the actual update happened. So we don't see the whale hello there in the two warning uh, two warning uh, er er uh, rows. And then uh, now uh, one final thing we'll show is the merge. Um, so for this, I tried to get like a one where I didn't have to fully create a table. I wasn't able to get that to work. So I'm going to create a, a source table. We'll just call it iceberg logging and just call it source. And it's just going to have three of the four columns that we have in the message or in the logs table. And then we're going to insert basically kind of a mask if you think about it like this, this is kind of like just a t uh, values that we want to essentially mask with the uh, existing tables. So we'll insert those. Oh, what did I do? The string has uh, single quotes in it. So uh, yeah, thank you. I'm just going to take those out. And what uh, is, did I do that anywhere else? No. Okay. I messed up your grammar though. Okay. Yeah, here. I think when I run this again, it'll it'll fix it. This is just what dbeaver does. It keeps. That's gonna bug me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. So uh, <laughs> I'll I'll fix the grammar before I post this on to the uh, to the show notes. <laughs> okay. So we inserted three of these uh, three of these rows to kind of act as the um, 
to act as the kind of mask. And so what we're going to do here in this merge, we're going to merge into the logs as our as our target table. And then we say, so merge into logs as the target. So I'll call that T. Using iceberg logging source as S on uh, S message equals TS, T message. That's kind of my unofficial <laughs> uh, way to associate these, these rows together. And then here are going to be two different things that we're going to run. Uh, if... Uh, for these three, whenever the source, uh, whenever the source is essentially level error, um, then we're going to go ahead and delete that uh, row. If it matches, and the so it was the basically when matched is on this part particular predicate, the message equals message. So when you match that and the uh, source is equal error, we're going to delete that row. When it's matched, and then we. Uh, uh, and, and no other criteria is specified. Basically, when we have any other match, then we're going to set message equal to, uh, we're going to basically concatenate the message with updated. And then we're going to also concatenate uh, the call stacks from the source to the call stack of, of, of the sorry target. So let's go ahead and run that merge. And, and now let's take a look at what happened. So we missed, now we're saying one of these uh, errors went away and that was actually the three message one because we had a, a, a match on the message and it was an error from the source. So that got deleted. And then we also uh, uh, set update on the message itself. So we updated both of these uh, warn, warn stacks and that's because we matched on four and five here, four and five message. So, uh, and then we happen to also add into the, uh, what is it? Um, here it is. This should show up as well. This should show up. So those, those two also got added to the call stack. And finally, when you look at the merge, those uh, actually end up being yet another overwrite that we see in the snapshot. So that is uh, the, the demo. And uh, essentially, that is the show as well. Um, Ryan, Sam, thank you so much for, for joining us um, today. I'm super excited for the future of both uh, Iceberg and, and Trino with Iceberg together. I really think, uh, you know, in terms of making uh, flexibility, the options that, that people have in terms of, you know, that all of our users have, uh, to to you know find solutions to all their all of these problems that we've t discussed today uh, makes it super um, makes it super flexible and super uh, capable for people to like you know run run these different uh, um, setups uh, and not have to be kind of locked into any uh, any format any vendor specific thing any particular query engine like it just really opens up a lot of the freedom here so um, so I'm really excited about this. What all do you want to uh, share to kind of like before we hop off to kind of how people can get involved, uh, where to get started with Iceberg and that kind of thing? Yeah. So first, thanks for thanks for uh, inviting us onto the show, Brian. It was fun, and thanks for the demo too. I can't wait to try those things out. It looks really cool. Um, you know, DML and Trinos. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited to try that out. Uh, but anyone can join uh, by going to the Iceberg uh, community page. So it's just. Um, uh, uh, iceberg.apache.org slash join, and you'll get uh, all the info. We have Slack. Um, nice. There's the dev list if you want to, you know, get, be, uh, if you want alerts on the latest things that are happening in in, um, in Iceberg. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so, and you can reach out to me too, right? You can, you can, we post a lot of blog posts on tabular.io. So please check out there. We have a lot of iceberg content there. Um, and, you know, feel free to reach out for, for anything, any questions or thoughts. Cool. Ryan, any parting thoughts? Um, just, I'm really excited about all of these new features in Trino. Um, we should do a bunch of, you know, joint blog posts on, you know, what you can do with, uh, with merge into and, yep. uh, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. These are, are really powerful things. Um, you know, at Netflix, we had, uh, this pattern where people would read data, take new data, sort of join it together and, you know, munge it and then write it out and overwrite everything. Um, you know, read union overwrite. Um, and I'm so excited about merge because it allows you to do that without manually expressing how you want this thing to run. Yeah. You say like, Hey, if, if I've got a match, do this, if I don't yeah. have a match insert and yep. it's so much easier and straightforward. And not only that, it's more efficient for Trino to run the query because it only needs to modify the data files that have data that changed. Yep. So I'm I'm super excited about this. Let's uh let's write some blog posts or or something to let's do it. Yeah, highlight uh, <laughs> these amazing features. So yeah, we're yeah. definitely doing it, and uh, hopefully we can see you both uh, out at uh, uh, Trino Summit. Uh, so reminder for everybody else too, uh, we have uh, Trino Summit coming up in November. So if you haven't signed up, uh, we'll be adding that into the show notes as well. Um, uh, Cole, Tom, did I forget anything? Well, um, no, kind of touching what Ryan's talking about is really, um, I'm going to a COS, um, DBT's COS, that's our conference uh, next month, and really merge, really open up that product completely uh, for Trino and Iceberg. So I think uh, some of the stuff we'll be talking about, it's all three uh, together. So uh, totally. I know it sounds really dorky, but I was super excited about merge. So weren't yep. <laughs> we all, we all? <laughs> yeah you need a tattoo or a shirt or something like that yeah <laughs> merge made it <laughs> okay y'all well uh thank you so much and uh we'll see you all in the next uh, trina community broadcast episode music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by shishtof swabikowski don't forget to give us a star on the trino repository at github.com forward slash trino db forward slash trino and for more information on future shows and to find show notes check out trino.io forward slash broadcast.